Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Um, now, probably a lot of you, and I started off the, the, the meeting this morning with this, and, and it showed my age a little bit. Who remembers the song? There's a guy, guy called Bobby McFerrin. He sang a song, Don't Worry. Yeah, all right, you do know it then. That's good. Uh, now, the, those words kind of resonated with many people. I think most people want to be happy, don't they? I think that, and, and that Don't Worry, Be Happy was a, like, probably for some bit of an anthem. And uh, however, in 2015, there was a study titled The UK Optimism uh, Audit. And that found only three in 10 people consider themselves happy. So with with the opportunity to win millions on the lottery for so many people, with uh, social media that can make people famous instantly, and even with laws in this country now that you can be whoever or whatever you want to be, why that figure is so low? I think it has something to do with the fact that people go around about looking for happiness in a wrong way. And what it is, they think, to be happy. Well, I think we all view happiness or, or blessing in different ways, but many people misunderstand what it is to be truly so. Or don't believe the words of Jesus and seek it in other things, in other ways. As Sarah said earlier, just, just a moment ago, the, the world consider that you have to be powerful, rich, or in a position, or be popular to be happy, have control, or even find it in other places or by other means. But Jesus came to teach us a heavenly way. Not a way constructed by man or some clever concept or even, actually, a popular one. But it is one of truth. And the Beatitudes start in Matthew 5, in the Sermon of the Mount. Has everyone heard of the Sermon of the Mount? You have? Great. That's, that's really, really good. Now Jesus was there, uh, he saw the crowds, and he went to a mountainside and sat down. Now his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Now what he began to teach them is of such magnitude and of importance that it can be considered it is the kingdom's manifesto. So I've been given three uh, of the Beatitudes to talk about this morning. So I'm going to have to kind of rush through a few of them. But tonight, there's going to have an opportunity of discussion of that. Sarah's going to, Pastor Sarah's going to lead that with the Sunday night. But I'm just going to run through some things with you. I hope that's okay. Now, when he started to begin to teach them, this is what he said. Number one, so Matthew 5.3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, although we're looking at Matthew this morning, the Beatitudes actually appear in two books. It also appears, so Matthew 5 and also in Luke 6. Both with slight differences. Uh, this could be to the audience it's written to, each gospel is written to, or some suggest that maybe they were spoken at different times. But this one, this Beatitude, is first in both. And some have suggested that it's because it's the key to all the others. So this way to be or attitude of life for the believer is crucial to be part 
of who Christ is calling us to be and who he is making us. So there's a notable difference between Matthew and Luke's account of Jesus' words, and this is that. So Matthew 5.3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. But Luke writes in Luke 6.20, Blessed are you who are poor. Now both words, both Greek words for poor here, have the sense of economically destitute or impoverished. So that sense of poorness. But Matthew adds in spirit because he's expressing a genuine quality of humility that recognises that one lacks worldly status and honour which leads to a faithful dependence on God. Basically, you've got nothing to lose. You've got nothing, nothing to lose. Focus everything on God. What a blessed place to be. And the world will go, no, 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 you need to have all this stuff. God's saying the opposite. You don't need any of that. Luke's telling the poor person that even in their condition, they can only rely on God, their possession, they possess the kingdom of God. What a promise. What a fantastic promise. Now Luke not only writes, blessed are the poor, but in verse 24 he says, woe to you who are rich. That's tough, isn't it? Because the rich find it harder, maybe, to give up their wealth. It is difficult when you've got a lot of stuff to give it up. And it's a difficult thing. And sometimes those things, as we know from Scripture, that if we have so much stuff, to give it up is really difficult. And so it becomes something you you hold on to. And it maybe even becomes something, particularly with money, you become self-sufficient, so self-sufficient that the warning here is that you don't become so self-sufficient you forget God. Because that is a dangerous place. But whereas Matthew writes, best of the poor in spirit, so this could also be to do with the audience that he is writing to, because sometimes, as Sarah read a moment ago, that poverty was a sign of God's disapproval to the Jews. But when we must remember, poverty in itself is not the status of happiness. It's not saying, be happy because you're poor. It's not that, it's the promise to the poor. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because money in itself isn't a bad thing. Sometimes I think we, uh, we can get in this habit of slating money. Money's not a bad thing. It's the love of money that could be a bad thing when we put it as a first place in our lives. So it's not money itself. It's our reliance on it. We rely so much on it that the warning is, that don't, don't rely on it. You need God first. We don't want it to become an idol. We don't want it to take over our lives You cannot love, you cannot serve both God and money. So serve God. Don't run after it. It's a bit like the popularity. Don't run after popularity. I know we've got got the youth here this morning. So if you're looking at a phone or device, just put it down for a second and look at me. All right? This is important. Jesus is saying, don't run after the things that the world runs after. Popularity. Position. Power. Don't run after those things. Run after Jesus. You've got a great opportunity, young people, for a generation that's rising up in a world that's becoming more narcissistic, narcissistic, so self-absorbed that you are going to stand out. That's what Jesus wants. 
We're not meant to go with the flow of the world. We're meant to be different. We're meant to stand out in that way because it shines the glory of God. Okay, you can look at your phones again now. It is without a doubt a spiritual promise. And it's not that the poor will become rich because money is no indicator of happiness or blessing, but it is our human need. The rescue of our very soul will be fully met in our inheritance, the kingdom of God. Our greatest need, our rescue, we will receive. So how then can being poor in spirit be a good thing? Both Matthew and Luke write this, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. What a gain. What a gain. When we put all stuff down, what a gain. That's an incredible gain. And it also said to me, when I read that, I thought, actually, anyone, whether you're rich, poor, tall, short, smelly like me, or beautiful like Sarah, whatever it is, whether what position you're in, what stature and what status you are, you can be accepted. There is a way through Christ. He has made a way for all of us. This is a fundamental characteristic of the Christian and the citizen of the kingdom of heaven. It is the humble heart, the one who knows they are lost without Christ and without him are nothing. Because humility, that humility brings life. And the pride can often bring death to so many things. We must all start with the truth that Jesus was speaking. We in ourselves are nothing, spiritually impoverished, dead and rotten in our sin, and understand that we cannot do that or anything by ourselves. Even our kind acts, our good things, good deeds are like dirty rags. But in Jesus, we can do all things, right? We were given a prophecy at the beginning of this year about maturity. That's something I picked up maturity and I've been challenged by. It's not about growing, you don't get mature by growing old, you get old by growing old. You become mature by growing up. That's the difference. So we need maturity in the things of God and things of the Word. And actually that might flip, flip with what the world says. The Holy Spirit, who's our helper, is in this, he convicts, he helps us in, our, in this, in our maturity. He gives us the help that we need to, to grow stronger and be more mature. And he convicts this world of sin, the Bible says. He convicts this world of sin that we can look to God's righteousness in the coming judgment. Matthew 5, 3, in the contemporary English version, says that God blesses those people who depend on him. They are fully blessed. So this year, let's fully rely on God for all things. Because in him, seek him first. Because everything, that's where everything is. Seek him first, his kingdom and his righteousness. Because heaven is our reward. Amen? Okay, number two. All right, number two. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, I think a lot of us know or understand where mourning comes from, grief to mourn. And a lot of it is usually associated with death, uh, losing a loved one, those kind of things. But what Jesus was talking about, and I think he does comfort us when that happens, actually. There is a comfort when we lose people. He understands. He knows. He loves us. He understands the pain in our hearts. He does know that. But also there's, there's a part which was in the words up there, which I thought were really good in that video, that those who are blessed because they mourn over something else. The state 
of our impoverished soul, where we were uh, poor in spirit, when we understand that, to mourn over that. As we were talking about this uh, over the last few weeks, Helena lent me a book um, by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Brilliant book. Brilliant book on, on the Sermon on the Mount. Excellent. Um, I can really highly recommend it. And he says this about this verse. To mourn is something that follows necessity from being poor in spirit. It is quite inevitable. As I confront God and his holiness and contemplate the life that I am meant to live, I see myself, my utter helplessness and hopelessness. I discover my quality of spirit and immediately that makes me mourn. John Stott also says, It is one thing to be spiritually poor and acknowledge it. It is another to grieve and mourn over it. Confession is one thing. Repentance is another. To repent, that turning around, turning to God. Again, there's that theme, relying on God fully, even for our own soul, for the forgiveness of our sin. So there's a couple of things um, that we can mourn over, that I, looking at this, studying this, that uh, there's an emphasis to. One is the, the mourn for our own sinfulness. Now, Paul understood this. Uh, he said, new grief over his condition. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who can rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Now, we know that's Jesus. But he knew and he identified in himself his own human condition. Not his spiritual condition, his human condition. James understood it too. He wrote, in, um, he wrote that the, the pride and uniting with things of this world leads only to death. So therefore he encouraged all his readers to submit to God in humility. He wrote this in chapter 4. He said, wash, you, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and, they, and he will lift you up. Now, I know we're talking about blessing this morning and being happy, so we will get there. Uh, but it's the understanding of this side of it where the joy and the happiness comes. If we think we've made it, there's your reward. That's what Jesus says. If you think you're already there, well, what do you need me for? But actually, we do need him every single day. So, you know the story of the prodigal son? So he went off and, and he, got, he got his reward. This is mine. I've got everything and I'm going to go. And then he realised, actually, what, what have I done? And that repentance, that turning around, he was received back by the father. He turned his life around and received back by the father. And that's a great story for all of us. But he went, not as a son, but as a servant with true sorrow in his heart. And he was received with open arms. The mourning and sorrow of our sin should force us to repentance. Repentance isn't a word that we hear a huge amount. But it is so vital for this world to, to know it's not just getting being part of the church which is important and being in it but it's actually the repentance from our sin that we receive the forgiveness from it that was very clear on our foundation course if you're uh, signing up for that or haven't heard about the foundation course or you're new to the church let me encourage you to be part of that see you someone uh, in a red t-shirt and they could sign you up next Sunday it's going to start there you go if you want to be part of that let me encourage you it's great 
To learn the foundational stuff of our faith is really important. Knowing and understanding who we are as a church, but knowing the foundational things. Repentance is right in there. So when we know the depravity and darkness of our sin, it highlights, here we go, it highlights the beauty and glory of what God has done. When we know how low maybe we've got, we know how high he has lifted us. We see how far he has lifted us. We can truly see how far the east is from the west. When we know where he's taken us from, we can see how high he's lifted us. That's an amazing thing. And how we've gone from darkness to light. When we honestly and truthfully understand the wages of sin, we can revel and celebrate with genuine happiness the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. When we realise how dark the depths of our soul is or was, then we truly see the brightness and light and glory of his death and the joy of our salvation. What a great thing. So we go from hopelessness to hopefulness. We go from darkness to light, from degeneration to regeneration. We go from mourning into dancing. Absolutely. We go from mourning to dancing. We can see, actually, you know what, what, who am I? And then we see, we sang it this morning, I'm a child of God. And we understand that fully where he, we know he's taken us from. When we see the state that we were in, we can see how glorious it is and what it means to become a child of God. That's so amazing. Second, to mourn for the condition of this world. Paul wrote about this and demonstrated it in Acts when he was writing to Ephesus. He says, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. That understanding the world is lost. And Jesus modelled it again in Luke 19, 41. When he was going into Jerusalem, he was the one they were waiting for, the one who was promised and he was going there and they didn't see him. They missed him completely. And he said, and Luke wrote this, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus sees the states of our hearts and has compassion over your humankind because he knows that we cannot save ourselves. He he allows us too to mourn over the loss. Because we know it's part of the Father's heart, right? None shall perish. It's part of the Father's heart. It's what he wants. And that song, break our hearts for what break yours, that's an important, make that a prayer. That's an important prayer, an important thing. But I think sometimes we misunderstand what that means. Okay, yes, we're supposed to mourn and uh, uh, grieve over our, our, ourselves, but that doesn't mean we have to be miserable. We don't have to be miserable. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean be miserable. Miserable? Miserable. <laughs> we should have joy, right? Because we, are, we know where we're here. This, this, we grieve over this, but we don't live here. We have joy because of our salvation. So it's, okay, blessed are those who mourn, but we can have joy with our salvation because we don't stay there. Yeah. Um, because 
when you know there, he says, we shall be comforted. So this is, how's this possible? Humility. Thinking of others. Self-denial. We, like Jesus, can be sorrowful, but we don't need to be miserable. We can be sober-minded, but not solemn. We can love with genuine godly love, which may be actually a little bit painful at times. But to love brings much joy in the end. We are comforted when we know we are his. And he has adopted us as his own. And this helps me understand partly that first, the first lines of Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, he's understood where he's come from. But then he's not stayed there. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. There's joy in knowing where we've come from because we see now where God has placed us. And Philippians 4.4 4 says this beautifully. Rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't just leave you there. He says, I'll say it again. <laughs> rejoice. I think he's trying to make a point, didn't you? We can rejoice in God. All right, number three. Matthew 5.5 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So we've had blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For blessed are the, what did I say it was? Those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Good, just seeing you listening. And then it says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now the meek, I had to kind of look this up. I kind of thought I knew what the meek was. Um, and I kind of had an idea, but I wanted to make sure. It's always good to study, always good to get... Um, things in place because I was like oh is that is that what it is I just need to make sure and that book really helped as well um and this is what it meant it's it's an attitude of quiet um reverent and humble submission to the will and purpose of God it's not a bad thing really is it Matthew writes um and uses the word the Greek word for that in that verse but also another one when he's uh using the example of the prophecy of Zechariah concerning Jesus to the king who is coming to the meek to them, meek, and riding on a donkey. Jesus was a king, but he submitted his will to the Father. Meekness and complete submission to God is where there's true power. Because it's God's power. And Jesus said that in John 5.30, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is is just for I seek not to please myself but the one who sent me so he modeled this for us to rely on God completely and submit to his authority now power can be a dangerous thing I don't think I don't think we handle stuff like that very well as a human race which is why Jesus is teaching us this way because we, we don't we're not very good at it um, I think sin just Switches, switches things the wrong way around and we and and as a human race we just don't always get it right i've seen things like power can we can it can get to our heads really can it can be really really dangerous a bit like a bit like what i was saying earlier about um money sometimes it can just be dangerous because we don't handle it well and because of our selfish nature, that's just why we've got to submit to God completely. See, not those things are wrong. It's just I don't think we handle them correctly in our humanity. That's why we've got to lay everything down for Christ. Because he lifts us up. He brings us to a place. And 
there's a story in Ezekiel 28 about the prince of Tyre, and, and he, he had power and money, and, but God had to tell him off, basically. Long story short. And it wasn't the fact that he had possessions and riches and power, it's that, that they, he allowed them to corrupt him. He was corrupted by those things. And pride can bring out domination and control in people, and that is not a blessed place to be. That is not the best blessed place to be. Meekness in humanity toward God and towards others is having the right, uh, right or the power to do something, but refraining to benefit somebody else. As it says in Ephesians, he received, uh, is it? to live a life worthy of the calling we have received, be completely humble and gentle, be patient and bearing with one another in love. And our inheritance says, and they shall inherit the earth. Now this earth isn't, isn't the greatest place, but we, are so, you know, we, live, we live here, we've got to love it, we've got to look after it. And as part of the command in Genesis, mankind was supposed to look after it and have dominion over it. And I think the effect that Jesus went for to have for his disciples, he's given them a promise to give them the strength to continue in their meekness. Doesn't matter what the world throws at you. Doesn't matter what what comes against you. Because as it says in Matthew five twelve, rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. In other words, the promise of great reward gives the disciples the strength to endure everything that comes against them. Everything that comes against us, we have the strength to endure it. We don't need to be uh, shouting at people and yelling at people and pointing and slamming our hands down and growling. We don't need to do that. We can be meek. We can be, okay, that's fine. We don't need to take control of everything. Because it's the the Lord's, isn't it? And we are his. Yeah? Now, the footnotes in the Passion Translation of this, this is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. It says, Jesus is saying that when you claim nothing is yours, everything will be given to you. Whoa! That is awesome. That is really, really awesome. But we have to say, this is really important. This is really, really important. Meekness, I know, I know it's, you've probably heard this before, but it's very, very true. Meekness is not weakness. You don't, doesn't, it's not a weakness thing. It's not a weak thing because we have God who is strong. It's, he's not a sign of weakness. I mean, Jesus, it says he was meek and lowly in heart, but he was a strong man. He could have called down angels at any point. He had command over the things of heaven. And when his accusers came against him, he stayed silent. He didn't need to say anything. That wasn't weakness. That's a strength. He didn't need to make, make himself right in front of them. He took the nails in his hand and hung on a cross. And the words he brought of forgiveness and mercy to the people around him. He didn't have a go at his accusers. His people putting him on the cross. He didn't. He showed grace and mercy to those around him. To receive the message of God. Even his last breath was a heavenward shout of victory that signified his obedience, and even obedience unto death. 
there were so many people in the Old Testament who uh, called like Moses was. He said he was the meekest of all men. Moses was not a weak leader. In any stretch of the imagination, meekness is not weakness. It implies obedience, not to man, but to God. As the words of Jesus himself claim, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So this quote from A.W. Tozer is brilliant. All right? I want you to get this. The meek per- man, it says here, the meek person is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson. But he has stopped being fooled about himself. I love that. We can fool ourselves, can't we? We can think of ourselves far more highly than we should and think we're something that we're not. And that, I think that's the world system. That's why you know, social media is as big as it is because we can make ourselves be whatever we want to be, bigger than who we are, more famous than we are. We could become something that the world wants, but maybe not what Jesus taught. And so when we're like this, we stop being fooled about ourselves. Man, I used to struggle with that. Really did. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and as helpless as God declared to him. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything That is his motto. What brilliant words. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That should be his motto. There's our motto. In ourselves, nothing. But God, everything. Wonderful. So finally, let me me put some things to you. I I want us to consider some some things before I, I finish the message this morning. Now, the world may think this is a backwards or upside down teaching. All right, young people, just give me a second, all right? Stop looking at your phones for a second. Do not ever underestimate the words of older people and the older generation, all right? It's really, really important because, let me tell you something, all right? We've been truly blessed in this church. The heritage of this church is amazing, all right? And the founders have been doing amazing things. Now, I know I'm building her up a little bit, but these are great words. So, for... Helen and I were in the planning meeting, we were just chatting together, just talking about the book and talking about stuff, and said something. And I thought, I'm going to say that, but I can't take credit for it. So that's why I'm, <laughs> I can't, I can't. So this is brilliant, all right? I thought this was great. So she basically said, we, you, many have heard it said that Jesus turned the world upside down. In fact, he turned it the right way up. Huh? There you go, see? Don't underestimate. See, maturity, okay, you learn stuff. That's why the Bible says, the, you know, grey has a crown of glory. You don't, ne- never, don't, don't go, oh, they're old, they know nothing. They know a lot more than you think because they've seen it, lived it, done it. All right, young people, you can look at your friend again. But he's turned the, right, turned the world the right way up again. Back to how God, those th- the things of God, the things of heaven that should be in our hearts, that's what he's flipping it back up again. He's not turning it upside down. It's already upside down because of sin. It's the wrong way round. So what we're learning through these Beatitudes is that Jesus is saying, look, this is the way up it should be. 
this is how we should be and this is how I want you to be because you are my followers. You are my people. We live in a world where fame and fortune and riches and power and all those things are so important that people are forgetting. They make, people make so much noise they don't hear what God is trying to say. Where those who shout the loudest is a sign of strength. And it's not necessarily. Those, once, I said this this morning, once, once upon a time you needed to be really talented to be famous, now you just need to be able to sign into Instagram. It's true. You don't need a talent, you just be able to sign in, get as many followers as you can. It's true. We shouldn't seek after those things. Let's not seek after the things the world does. It's in humility and uh, uh, meekness and, and generosity. Let's seek the things of God. And, and the world won't understand it necessarily. They won't get it because it's reverse. There's a line, <laughs> there's a line in a song. That, when this album came out, it was awesome. So hands, all right, hands up if you heard a DC talk. Quite a few of you. And anyone under sort of like 30 will go, who? Um, great band. And they released an album called Jesus Freak. Brilliant album. Fantastic album. And this is one of the lines from the song, the song Jesus Freak. It says, the high and lofty see me as weak because I won't live and die for the power they seek. They seek for a power that they don't have and they can't understand and won't understand because it's a power of this world, which all of that stuff's going to rot, it's going to die, it's not going to live on. He is going to live on. So as we look at the Beatitudes over the next few weeks, let's model what Jesus has done and the way he's living and the way he's asking us to live. And as 1 John 2, 6 commands, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Our confidence, our security, our comfort and our perseverance is found in him alone and not in our finances, our position, our popularity, our education or social status. All those things can be laid down for who he is. Final words, everyone. I found this quote by Dr. Martin Luther King, which I thought was great, Junior. It says, we need leaders not in love with money, but in love with justice. Not in love with publicity, but in love with humanity. Leaders who can subject their particular egos to the pressing urgencies of the great cause of freedom. A time like this demands great leaders. Jesus was a leader of leaders. A person who can submit to the will of the Father. A person who had all the power and authority he could, he could ever use and chose to submit to the will of God and live a life to serve others and of meekness because he knew. Matthew 10, 39 says, whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. But I saw this the similar scripture. It's in, actually, this is so important, this bit. It was in every, it mentions, there's a few things that I mentioned in all four gospels and this is one of them. In, the, in, the, in Matthew 16, 25, in the Passion Translation, it says this. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. <sighs> he didn't mix his words, did he? But this is a time and generation where we do need to mature and grow up. We do need to look at the world system and go... This is not what the kingdom of heaven is for or about. And this is not my portion. 
this is not what God has for me. Yeah, we're going to have troubles. Yeah, we're going to find things hard. Yeah, we're going to have to go through some things. But when we rely fully on God, we know that our hope is in him. Our place is the kingdom. We, are, we were here, but now we're here. And let's try and get as many people from there to where we are. All right? So this morning, as we go back into a time of worship, I want to challenge us all. And I have been challenged by this a lot this week. Getting all this together just showed me, actually, sometimes my heart is just awful. It's, no, it's not always great. But I know when I realise that, actually, I'm in a far better position than if I think I'm wonderful. There was a story, sorry, I just don't remember this. There was a story that I read. There was a bus driver right, in America who's been, he's been labelled the happiest man in the world. At least the happiest bus driver in the world. And you think, just a bus driver? This man in a life of drugs and crime, he was brought into, he had nothing, he had drugs, crime, went to prison. His life was over. He was given a second chance. Every day, he goes to work with a smile on his face because he knows where he's come from. He's the happiest bus driver in the world. Everyone that gets on the bus, hiya. He's happy. He knows because where he was is not now where he is. And I pray for that guy that I hope, because it doesn't say in the article, but I hope that he's found also freedom in Christ. And that if he hasn't, he finds it this year. That he knows he's already had a, he's already had a practical demonstration of what it is. Crime, drugs, he was just on the ground. He had nothing. He went to prison. He was caught up in this cycle of life where it was just destroying him. And he had a change. And every day he goes to work. No, he's not got a lot of bus driver's wage. But he's happy every day. He goes to work. I am not in a prison cell today. I'm in a little cab welcoming people onto my bus. What a wonderful thing. But how much more, when we realise where God has taken us from and where he's brought us to, how much more joy should we have? And the world needs to see that. doesn't need to be, look who I am. It's look who he is. When we know that, that's so powerful. So a challenge then for 2019. Are there things, and I've had to do this in my own heart, are there things we're counting on, other things that we're counting on for happiness or blessing other than Christ? Only you will know that. Let the Holy Spirit convict your heart this morning because I can't do it. Are there things that we're pursuing after to make us happy that are not of Christ? Are we being fooled by ourselves into believing that something of this earth or of this world will be able to completely satisfy the hunger in our hearts? If you're not a Christian this morning... I'm sorry to say, if you're not a believer or follower of Jesus, where I kept saying here, the truth of the matter is, this is where not only you are, but we were. Now, that doesn't make us better than you. doesn't make us uh, a nicer person, better person. Actually, it's just a revelation of actually, we can't do right on our own we can't be righteous on our own we can't live for God on our own we can't get to heaven on our own 
And that caused a repentance in our hearts. So this message this morning, we need to repent. And remember we are here. And if you're not here, we'd love to have you here. The struggles of life, sometimes we may still be the same. But the joy of knowing where we are, actually this is not our home. Whatever happens on this earth is not going to matter because our kingdom, our home is with Christ, seated in heavenly realms of Christ Jesus here. So when we get there, we know there is something so much more for us. So let me challenge all of us, as I've been challenged by this word. Let's fully rely on God this year for everything. Let's put our trust solely in him, not on the things of this world. If you're in a place, I am going to open this up. If you're in a place where pride has taken over or things of the heart that are not right have taken over, it doesn't have to stop there. God will bring you to a place again where he's for you. Well, he is for you. Don't, don't misunderstand me. He is for you. That's why he wants to do it. That's why he sent his son in the first place. But we're a body of people. Let's, we've, used, we've used this phrase several times. Pastor Julian says it. Let's, take the, let's be real. Let's take the mask off, right? We don't have to pretend to be something that we're not. We don't have to pretend to be all right. It's okay not to be okay. All right? But there is a hope. Let's look this way all the time, even if it's little steps towards this way. Even if it's little steps to go, I can't really understand it. I'm not good enough. Good, that's a good place to be because he is good enough and he has made you good enough. He sees you good enough because of Jesus. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.